I'm going to get into the word tonight. So let's go ahead and open with prayer over the word of God. I love the presence of God. I love altar ministry, praying with people, the power of the Holy Spirit. But I also love the word. And we need the word. Amen. So this word tonight will be a little challenging. Hopefully for all of us it will be challenging, convicting a little bit. To stir us up to a new place. I'm a product of the Brownsville revival. So um, being convicted was no new thing to me. And um, I love sermons that challenge me. Okay, I don't want to be just told all the time how good things are and happy, happy. I want, I want to be stirred up, you know, and so I believe tonight will be a stirring sermon and, and will challenge. So, Lord, we thank you for the word. I'm asking you tonight to really do a deep work in all of us. I believe there will be a lot of joy in this sermon, a lot of good in that respect, but also I really believe it's going to be challenging, and I want it to be. I feel the Holy Spirit is saying it needs to be. So, Lord, I pray that you prepare our hearts and minds and that you would come upon me and anoint me and speak through me your words of life, that they'll go out as living seeds of truth. The parable of the seed and the sower, this seed will go out. It's living seeds of the word, landing in good fertile soil of hearts and minds and lives that are prepared by the Holy Spirit. Lord, that you prepare our hearts and minds in every way, and this word will land. It will go forth and land in people's lives, and it's going to be pinpointing. It's going to get where it's supposed to go. Let the winds of your spirit carry the word everywhere it's supposed to go among the nations and your angels watch over it. And Lord, we pray your word will go forth and accomplish everything you send it forth to do. We're in agreement with that promise and it will not return void. But Lord, let your Holy Spirit even now brood over and just captivate us to help us give you our best ear, our full attention, to lock in and anoint our eyes and ears. Give us eyes and ears of the spirit, Lord, to be able to see and understand and let there be a washing of the water of the word and let there be a light shining that will dispel the darkness and the lies and the deception of the enemy and bring truth and revelation. Lord, we thank you for it. We commit this time unto you. Let everything be accomplished through this time in the word that your will to be done in every way as you speak through me. We bind the enemy. In Jesus' name, you have no power and no influence whatsoever. We break his power and we thank you for it now in Jesus' name. All right, so just diving into this, I've got a few things I want to talk about tonight. I felt this was the way the Holy Spirit wanted this to go. I don't just preach motivational speeches or um, things that I think in my mind would be, hey, this will be a good idea, you know. I don't do that. I ask the Lord what he wants to be told, you know, talked about, and he lays things in my heart. So I really believe this is the word of the Lord for tonight, okay? So um, some things will be in your notes and some won't, but I'm going to go start out with Matthew 5. It's a familiar passage. Uh, verses 14 through 15. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. How many of you guys know when you become a Christian, people start watching you? People that you don't want watching you start watching you. You're thinking, man, I'm just another guy. Leave me alone but they, they're all watching and we can't get out of that and so the Lord wants us to be a light he said nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket but it's up on the lampstand and it gives light to all that are in the house verse 16 let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven so one of the things I want to get across tonight is that the Lord is very concerned about the motives of our heart 
in the intentions of my heart, that's important to God. I would say the issues of the heart are probably the most important thing to God. But that's not the only thing. Jesus said you'll know a tree by its fruit. And so God, if our hearts are pure, God's also wanting us to be bearing fruit. And so that's something I want to get into. <coughs> so the Bible says um, that we're to be both salt and light. Now let me read a few more scriptures. Being salt and light, light has to do with soul winning. Light has to do with the gospel. That you're taking the gospel into dark places. It's releasing light into darkness. Okay? And that's soul winning. And the Bible says in Daniel 12, 3, those who have insight will shine brightly like the brightness of the expanse of heaven. And those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever did you know in the age to come those that were soul winners are going to shine did you know that you're going to be walking around in the age to come and you're not going to have to ask somebody hey man were you a soul winner because they're going to be shining you're going to see a glory on them i love that scripture those that lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever they're going to shine secondly salt salt is a prayer warrior our prayers are awesome powerful i think about the fact that the bible says jesus put the emphasis on make my house a house of prayer and it seems to me like many places are making it a house of everything else but prayer it's a house of, of discipleship. It's a house of counseling. It's a house of preaching and teaching or house of worship, which is all fine. It's a house of evangelism, which is great. But Jesus put the emphasis on prayer. And it's interesting because he said, you're the salt of the earth, but if the salt has become tasteless or loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Let me tell you something. I'll get into this here in a moment as I go. I'm just laying some groundwork, but we're called to be salt. We're called to be prayer warriors. I don't think any of us can really understand how powerful our prayers really are. When God's people will really unify and really pray, I mean, get serious about it, not just joining their hands and some little prayer. I'm talking about they're really going to go after God we're going to unify and really pray and fast it will break open regions it will bring revival it will it will cause many to um, be saved it, it is a major major threat to the devil and it's interesting to me because it says here that when places lose their saltiness they're good for nothing now that's that's kind of sounds insulting to, but he said except to be thrown out trampled underfoot let me just say this there's a lot of people in this world i think about muslims i think about atheists i think about witches i think about um, i love all these people i want them to all be saved uh, homosexuals etc there's a lot of people out there that would love to trample christians underfoot they would love to trample this church underfoot and if we are not praying like we need to pray, then it can come to pass that a nation 
that laws will start getting passed that are anti-Christ, that are oppressive. Leaders will end up worming their way into positions over nations that pretty soon um, many are against the Christians and they are being trampled underfoot. But if God's people will pray, I believe honestly not to get political because I avoid that from the pulpit, I really do. But I believe that that's exactly what happened in this last election. Things were spiraling down, 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 down under Obama's administration. And I believe that Hillary would have took it further. But because God's people prayed and got serious about it, people were getting serious. There was prayer like you wouldn't believe. God intervened. And, and because of that, there's people that are in leadership, leadership positions that are favorable toward Christians now. And things are turning the other way. So our prayers are tremendously powerful. And I'm going to come back to that in a moment. I want to dovetail now to something else and then come back to that. So first, let me just talk about bearing fruit. I want everybody to really give me your best ear for a minute. And I want that you really think about what I'm about to say. Because there is a religious spirit that we have been not just I'm talking about when I say we I'm talking about the body of Christ all throughout this region all throughout East Texas there has been such a a religious spirit resistance and because of that resistance many times I don't know if you've ever studied this out but there's a difference between a viper that would strike and inject poison as opposed to the way that a python will kill somebody a python will wrap around someone and every time they exhale it squeezes tighter to the point to where they can't catch their breath any longer and they they pass out and ultimately die so it's more of a hear what I'm saying it's more of a slow gradual process I've had to preach on this before but I believe that this religious spirit has been very subtle and people that used to really be on fire without realizing it have lost the fire I want you to think about it for a minute tonight and let the Holy Spirit convict all of us are you really as hungry today as you used to be don't you think about it are you really truly as on fire today as you used to be Jesus said you'll know a tree by its fruit so people can't say well you know God knows my heart and I understand that he does but we're talking about fruit we're talking about if somebody's heart is burning it's going to reflect outwardly do you have the burden for souls that you used to are you really witnessing like you used to we try to give people an opportunity here but are you really taking the opportunity to be the light that you're supposed to be, I'm supposed to be? Are we really witnessing like we used to? Did we really have a burden for souls? Or have we now gotten desensitized to where we can drive down the road and see lost people and not witness, and it just doesn't affect us at all? That's a dangerous place to get. That is a python that is squeezing, and people aren't even realizing it because it's so subtle. Hello? Do you have the burden in prayer that you used to have? 
do you have the prayer life that you used to have? Was there a time in the past when you could say, I was really hungry and on fire, my prayer life was awesome, you know, I love coming to God's house, and I was really just radical in my worship and all that, but something's happened where you don't pray like you used to. You're not hungry like you used to be. Now praise and worship is kind of boring, and it used to not be. Are you hungry and excited to go to church in God's presence, or has it become mundane? You see, when people are really hungry and on fire for God and their hearts are really burning, you can tell because they love coming to God's house. They're, they're ready to go out witnessing. They're ready. They're, their prayer life is strong. They're, 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 they come early. They stay late. You know, They're just on fire. You can see it in their worship. It reflects in every aspect, even their giving. It just shows up in everything. But when that religious spirit creeps in subtle, all of a sudden it begins to gradually, slowly, that fire dies down, 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 down. And now where they used to be bearing a lot of fruit, they were salt, they were light, they were really fruitful. Now that fruit on that tree has diminished tremendously. And there's just a little pieces of fruit here and there where there used to be a lot of fruit. The way things are supposed to be is God's created us to be like the hull of a boat. The back end of a boat is flat across, but the front end has that V shape because we're not supposed to be going backwards. We're supposed to be going forward. We're supposed to be going from glory to glory. Jesus said, if you're fruitful, I'll prune you so you can even bear more fruit. It's supposed to be going higher up the mountain of God deeper in the holy of holies but when a religious spirit starts creeping in it goes the other direction pretty soon they were going fast moving forward but now it is ground to a a, a halt and things have become stagnant and even maybe going backwards and one of the things I love, there's many things I love about the Hebrew roots and, and understanding the you know, true biblical Christianity. But during these feast times, it's an opportunity. If people will take it serious. See, one of my intercessors came to me in private and said they felt really burdened and really grieved and they were praying. And God laid on their heart to really pray that people take the time of fasting serious. And really go after God because this person felt that maybe that wasn't the case with everybody. But that's that religious thing. It comes in. People start getting mundane about everything and it's just, it's sad. But these times of fasting and prayer that we go through can be a time where God begins to show people things. He begins to prune them so they can bear more fruit. He begins to do a great work in their life so that they can go from glory to glory. And so I wanted this to be a time where God could begin to move on River of Life in a fresh way and convict and deal with people. I want you to really think about it. 
because the warning of the last day church i'm gonna move off this point now but the warning of the last day church was to not be like the laodicean church the laodicean church became lukewarm and listen the lukewarm church jesus said this is the words of jesus documented in the bible jesus said that the lukewarm church makes him nauseous to vomit out of his mouth nauseous I don't want the Lord to look at my life. I don't want the Lord to look at your life and see lukewarmness that has crept in as some religious thing has come in where we used to be on fire, where we used to really be bearing fruit and we used to be doing things that, that are different than they are now. It's like something within has died down and the fruit is now diminishing and now people have come into this lukewarm place that actually makes the Lord nauseous. I don't want that. So let me talk about, just briefly about tabernacles, and then we're going to pray here in a moment. I'm going to move back and forth to different points. I want to come back to the power of prayer here in a moment. But John 1.14, it says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And the word dwelt is tabernacled in the Greek. And we saw his glory, the glory as the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Isn't that something? If you do an actual study on this, because you can figure this out based on when John the Baptist was conceived, and, and you can kind of understand when Jesus was conceived in nine months and all that, but most likely Jesus was conceived around the Hanukkah time but he was born most likely during tabernacles and it's interesting the word became flesh and tabernacled among us you remember when Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration and and Moses and Elijah appeared and he he began to glow brightly and it was probably during the time of of Sukkot tabernacles but it was funny because Peter didn't know what to say and being raised around this culture his whole life, the first thing he says was, well, do you want me to build a little tabernacle, a little sukkah for you? And I'll build, build one for Moses, and I'll build one for Elijah. The sukkah, the tabernacle that's built, is deliberately flimsy. And it shows the dependence on God in this life. Also, that we're to be a pilgrim people that's just passing through this life. I was telling my wife the other day, the more and more things are going in this world, I'm praying every day to, to get closer to the Lord and to go deeper and, and you know, really spend time with Him. And, but it just seems like the more the world is going, the way it's going, it's more and more dark, the less and less... Well, I'll put it this way. The more and more I feel disconnected from it and the more and more that I'm looking for his coming and that I want to be a light. I want to be used of him here, but I don't feel like I belong in this world. I really don't. I'm looking for a city whose maker and builder is God. And I mean that literally. I'm not just saying that out of my head. I mean that out of my heart. I don't feel like I'm connected to this world system. I just don't. I'm looking, I'm temporarily here. I'm just passing through. 
and I'll never forget it's probably deeply somehow ingrained in me that you know I can just hear Stiefel's voice during Brownsville keep your head up and your feet moving don't let your feet sink down too deep in the soil of this world God's coming for a pilgrim people I just hear it in my mind I, I think about that how true that is but that's the that's one of the messages of the tabernacle that God's people have always been tent dwellers back in the days of Abraham Isaac and Jacob they were tent dwellers that were nomadic they were passing through and the Canaanites had the stone houses they were permanent and even when you read the book of revelations it was it's interesting because in revelation um, it says that it talks about the earth dwellers it's like people that were earthly people God's called us to be a pilgrim people Jesus said I have no place to lay my head he knew he was just passing through y'all hear where I'm coming from tonight with this we're just passing through another thing about this feast Sukkot is the four species in Leviticus 23 39 says on exactly the 15th day of the seventh month when you have gathered in the crops of the land you're going to celebrate the feast of the Lord I want you to notice that God always referred to these as his feast he's never one time referred to them as Israel's feast they're his feast and he always said that they would be observed throughout every generation for from now on so he said to have a Sabbath rest and then in verse 40 now on the first day you shall take for yourselves the foliage of the beautiful trees this is the the citrus fruit the etrog that you see the palm branches which is the lulav the boughs of the leafy trees the hadas or the myrtle and then the willows of the brook the arava and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God seven days you know one of the things that about religion people that have a religious spirit are always really stifled in their worship you notice that they're not free in their praise and worship everything is really formal it's almost like to be depressed and to be oppressed or something is somehow spiritual y'all hear what I'm saying but it's interesting to me that this is the God that we serve he says right here no no no. you shall rejoice before me <laughs> I mean God if once people really come into true biblical Christianity God is is a God full of joy and celebration he really is you shall thus thus celebrate as a feast to the Lord for seven days in the year it shall be a perpetual statute throughout your generations you shall celebrate it in the seventh month you will live in booths for seven days all the native born in Israel shall live in booths that's a sukkah, a tabernacle, like what's demonstrated here. So that your generations may know that I had the sons of Israel live in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I'm the Lord your God. So Moses explained all this to them. You know, whenever Jesus came during the spring feast, that's why in this culture, year after year, people were so accustomed to, to gathering in these four species and celebrating before the Lord waving him before him and shouting and dancing and and rejoicing before him and that's why when Jesus came in 
on that donkey, it was prophesied that he would come in riding a donkey. And when he did that, people spontaneously began to cut down palm branches and began to do this. They began to celebrate before the Lord and wave them and, and shout and sing. And the Pharisees got ticked off. Isn't it just like the religious community to always get mad at freedom and praise and worship? Hello? And even the children were crying out. And Jesus said, if they don't, the rocks will cry out. And so as I explained earlier, the fall feast speak Yom Teruah, the trumpets speak of the rapture. Yom Kippur, Day of Atonement, speaks of the tribulation. But Sukkot, Tabernacle, speaks of the Lord actually coming and sitting on the throne of his father David in Israel and ruling and reigning over the earth for a thousand years. He's going to tabernacle among us. And man, I look for that day. But before the Lord comes, let me move back out into prayer, and then I'm going to close out by talking a little bit more about this feast. But before Jesus comes, we're supposed to be salt and light. We're supposed to occupy until he comes. We're supposed to be exerting the dominion he paid for on the cross. We're supposed to be walking in authority. And so I think about this scripture, 1 Timothy 2, 1. First of all, then I urge you. Everybody say, first of all. A lot of times in a lot of places, it's not even last of all, let alone first of all. Y'all hear what I'm saying? He said, first of all, I urge you that entreaties and prayers and petitions, thanksgiving be made on behalf of all men. And look at this, for kings and those who are in authority. Why? So that we may lead tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. And then it goes on to say, because God wants everybody to be saved. See, this is going to be what brings the change in geographic regions is going to be determined on prayer. You understand that geographic regions are not going to be shaken because we had another conference. Geographic regions are not going to be shaken because we had another social event. Or because somebody built another coffee shop and I like coffee. What's going to be shaking regions is going to be the sincere prayers of God's people. And I mean serious prayers. Not, not just little, you know, uh, quick little prayers that people, okay, God bless you and me and all that. I'm talking about people getting serious with God. That type of prayer, the type of prayer that moves heaven, where people pray and fast and unify and they get serious about seeing a breakthrough in their region. God responds to those prayers. And God responds to the prayers as we pray for America. And I believe with all my heart that's why things are different now than what they could have been was because people are praying. And that doesn't mean we need to stop praying. We need to pray all the way through because there's been prophecies that I believe are from the Lord about an awakening in this nation. We haven't seen the fullness of that at all. We need to see that fully come forth. But it's not going to happen because we're talking about it. And I love prophecy, but it's not going to happen because people keep prophesying. It's going to happen when people start really praying and consistently praying. And I'm going to come to that in a moment. But if we don't pray and we start losing our saltiness, what happens? All of a sudden, evil people start coming into power. Evil laws start getting passed. Things become more and more anti-Christ. And pretty soon, people are trying to trample you and I underfoot. 
And the sad thing is we have to come to a realization at the end of the day it's our fault because we didn't pray. History is made by the intercessors. We all know this. You guys know this. You know that the Moravians prayed night and day all those years and it birthed that first great awakening that shook England and shook America. We knew that Charles Finney so depended on the prayers of Brother Nash that when Brother Nash died, Charles Finney just got out of the ministry. We know Azusa Street was birthed out of heartfelt, sincere prayer. William Seymour seriously prayed five to seven hours a day for a while just really pleading with the lord and pressing into god frank bartleman prayed they they consistently sought god in prayer and fasting and god brought a breakthrough and now history has been made by the prayer warriors you understand it's in history books today history will be shaped by the prayer warriors I love conferences and I love these things. I'm not talking down about that. What I'm saying is what's really going to bring change is prayer. I'm not belittling other things because it's, it's important and has its place. But prayer is going to be what changes things. And God hears the cry of his people, Psalm 34, 17. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. James 5, 16. This is the Amplify. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. James 5, 16. The earnest heartfelt continued prayer let me say that again because i believe whoever got this amplified i believe he hit the nail on the head here it's the earnest heartfelt continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available dynamic in its working it goes on to say that elijah was a man just like you and i but he prayed and the heavens shut and he prayed again, and the heavens opened. God responds to humble and believing prayer and fasting. You and I both know, because I've been, I've been preaching on it, but you already know Isaiah 58. Those that will be great restorers are people of prayer and fasting. If you look back in history at the people that made history, they had lasting fruit. They were used to be great restorers in their generation and it, their, it, their legacy lived on beyond their lifetime. It was people of prayer and fasting. You know it and I know it. Years ago, God touched my life and I began to seek him in prayer. And, and I remember I wanted to find out what it was that, that caused certain people to be used more powerfully than others. And it didn't take long for me to figure out it was prayer. It was their prayer life. Jesus called the disciples uh, in, in Mark it says that you know he spent the night in prayer and fasting that night and he came out to call the 12 disciples out from the crowd to be with him but it's interesting if you'll read that it says Jesus called them that they might be with him and then he might send them out to heal the sick and deliver the captives but it was to be with him and it, all of us know this but in in Acts chapter 2, 3, and in that area, whenever Peter and John reached down and, and picked up the crippled man, he was healed, and they stood before the Sanhedrin. These, the Sanhedrin were those that could have influenced people to have them killed. So it took a lot of boldness 
just stand up there in front of all these people and speak their mind like they did. But the, the Sanhedrin said amongst themselves, we can tell that these men have been with Jesus. We've got to understand our incredible authority, not weird control. I'm not talking about trying to control things. Some people pray kind of strange. It's almost like they want to be in control. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about praying God's kingdom come. I'm talking about heaven open and God coming down and moving in power. Understanding much can change in our prayers, but also at the same time, some things will be God's sovereignty because end time prophecy will take place. If it's in the Bible, it's going to happen. Amen? So we can pray all we want, but there's going to be certain things that are connected to end-time prophecy that are going to happen. I think about how homosexuality has been legalized in America. It really grieved everybody. It's a Christian. But you have to understand the Bible said it would be as it was in the days of Lot when Jesus comes. So it's end-time prophecy. All right. What do answered prayers look like? I think about how in the early church, you know, we talk about Peter, James, and John being the three that really would seem to be the closest to the Lord. And, and James, Peter, James, and John, James was, was imprisoned and had his head cut off. And once Herod saw this please the Jews, he seized Peter. And the people, the Christians were now really concerned because one of their great leaders had just been killed and another one's about to be killed and so they got serious with prayer and they began to meet together and they began to pray and they began to fast and they began to bombard heaven i'm trying to show you something about what does it actually look like with answer prayers so as the early church began to pray peter was in prison and he was chained to all these guards and anybody that knows anything about the history with Roman culture at that time, those guards were responsible for this prisoner to the degree that if he was um, escaped or whatever, they would be executed. So they, they took their job very seriously because their life depended on it. And so they were chained to Peter, and Peter's asleep. Isn't it something Peter learned a lesson from Jesus? When the storms were raging, remember Jesus was asleep on the boat. And Peter was the one down there waking him up. Don't you know we're all going to die? You know, and Peter's in prison knowing he's about to die, but he's asleep. He was trusting God with everything that God's going to take care of him. But the church was really praying and was really bombarding heaven. What did it look like? An angel of the Lord walked into that prison. And when that angel walked into that prison, the doors that were locked opened. He walks over to Peter and kicks him on the side, wakes Peter up. The chains just fall off Peter. Peter's thinking he's dreaming. Stands up, follows the angel. Next thing you know, Peter's outside, and he, he realizes this isn't a dream. So he runs back to tell you know, the disciples and those that are with them, what does answer prayers look like? When God begins to release his angels to break things open, when the Holy Spirit begins to move, I believe that it is our responsibility 
that we begin to pray like never before and really break things open in our region and in our nation to see a great move of God. But it is our responsibility. It's not just something that, you know, maybe we feel like we're saying. I really believe that we're all going to give an account one day with our region how we, how we really were used to be salt and light. Y'all hear what I'm saying? And I asked those questions at the beginning because I wanted people to be thinking along those lines and, and maybe let the Holy Spirit convict us and also to deal with the things that have been holding people back because I really believe it is a religious spirit. And if people will shake that off and begin to rebuke that, I'll give you an example. This week, as I, I've learned down through the years to discern that stuff and deal with it. This week early on, probably because I was going to preach this sermon, it just felt resisted in my prayer life for a couple days, and that's never fun. But instead of just giving in to that, I've learned to really pray and seek God about it. So I prayed, and I did some fasting, asked the Lord to just break through any resistance. And man, about halfway through the week, the Spirit of God began to blow in. The presence of God was really strong, and God just broke that thing wide open and uh, gave me the rest of this word but see the tendency a lot of times is to go along with the resistance that you're slowing down and gradually getting more and more lukewarm God's wanting us to break through that and go to a new level of his glory not give into what the enemy is trying to do and I've had to learn that down through the years because there were times that I did the same thing. I, I, let, I let it really resist me some, but I've learned to not put up with it anymore and to really rise up and plow through that and go to another level. So let me close out with this. It seems to me like from the scriptures, and I've taught on it enough now that I'm, I'm going to close out with this, but... When God said in Genesis, because some people never heard these sermons along these lines, but God said in Genesis, he put the sun and moon and stars and all that into the sky. He said he put the sun and moon there for a sign and for seasons. And the word for sign is oat, and it means like a sign, that it, there's a message, a sign from God. And he's been using, Jesus said that there would be signs in the sun, moon, and stars. He said those words. In these latter days, we've been seeing signs. We've been seeing blood moons, solar eclipses. We've been seeing things in the stars. It's signs. It's, it's God trying to get people's attention. Repent, the coming of the Lord is near. And what do a lot of people do? Blaspheme, mock, jeer, make fun. That's their response. And then also, it was there from Moedim, the, the appointed times, the seasons. The word moed in Hebrew means like an appointed time. It's the same word used for the feasts. And it really, in English, the best way of translating it would be a divine appointment. And these are times that God said, this is in the word, God said, I will meet with my people at these times. And it's interesting to me because it seems to me like at these times that God's presence intensifies. And you know, what I talked about in this sermon tonight, the tendency. A lot of times with Christians and churches is for people to get stuck in a spiritual rut 
and to go backward. It's a tendency. I'll do my best to try to explain this, but we live in a fallen world. If somehow I was to freeze everything in this room, just freeze it exactly like it is, and we were to somehow look at this place in a hundred years from now, would everything have gotten better on its own? No. There would be a bunch of skeletons sitting in chairs. There'd be cobwebs. There'd be, it would be nasty. It would be dilapidated. In the fallen world we live, the tendency is for things to go that direction. But in Christ, the tendency should be that we're going from life to life, glory to glory, victory to victory. It's like climbing up not going backward I hope I'm explaining this well but these feast times one of the things that's great about it for me is before Passover and then before the fall feast is a time to pray and fast and really examine yourself and say Lord what in me needs to be cut away so that I can be more fruitful show me things I haven't been seeing you examine me. You do a deep work in me. And as a group of people, we'll collectively do that. And then come out of that time and go into the feast time, understanding what they represent. It's an opportunity for us to have a divine appointment with the Lord and to go up like an escalator up to another realm of glory, to go upward, not backward, to go from glory to glory. And let me show you something because this will really blow some people's minds that haven't studied this out. But if this is not in your notes, I don't remember because we have to keep the notes a certain length. But this is Zechariah 14, verse 16. This is when Jesus comes back to rule and reign on the earth. This is during the thousand-year reign of Christ, okay? It says it will come about that any who are left of all the nations that went against Jerusalem. Remember we talked last week, Yom Kippur, we talked about the Gog-Magog war and we talked about end time prophecy. And ultimately, all the nations will come down on Israel in the battle of Armageddon. This is what it's referring to. All the nations that went against Jerusalem will go up. These are the remaining people on the earth during the reign of Christ that they will go up to Jerusalem from year to year to worship the king the Lord of hosts, and to celebrate the Feast of Booths, tabernacles. And it will be that whichever of the families of the earth does not go up to Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, there will be no rain on them. If the family of Egypt does not go up or enter, then no rain will fall on them. It will be the plague with which the Lord smites the nations who do not go up to celebrate the Feast of Booths. This will be the punishment of Egypt and the punishment of the nations who do not go up to celebrate. So we see that the feast days are going to continue on into the reign of Christ and on into eternity. If you're taking notes, write down Isaiah 66. I love this scripture. It's really interesting. Last week I talked about the thousand-year reign of Christ and at the end of it, how the heavens and the earth will be purged with fire. And then there'll be a new heaven, a new earth, and the, the new Jerusalem, a city will come down, and God the Father will dwell on the earth, and this is all in the book of Revelation. 
But I want you to keep this in mind while we're reading this. These sermons have really built. Okay, so if you didn't hear last week's, it'd be good to go back and listen to it. But Isaiah 66, starting with verse 19. God said through the prophet Isaiah, I know their works and their thoughts. The time is coming to gather all nations and tongues. And they shall come and see my glory. I will set among them and will send survivors from them to the nations. Tarshish, Putlid, Meshach, Tubal, Javan. To the distant coastlands that have neither heard my fame nor seen my glory. So this is talking about during the thousand year reign of Christ and on into eternity. They will declare my glory among the nations. Then they shall bring all your brethren from all the nations as a grain offering to the Lord on horses, chariots, litters, and mules, and camels to my holy mountain in Jerusalem. Just as the sons of Israel bring their grain offering and clean vessels to the house of the Lord. Look at this, verse 21. I will also take some of them for priests and Levites. What does the book of Hebrews say? Jesus is our great high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Why? Because both Jew and Gentile. It's a priesthood of Jew and Gentile together. And the Lord says in verse 21, so you have to understand there's going to be a temple in the thousand year reign of Christ. And he said, I'm going to take from among the nations, not just Jewish, but I'm going to take among the nations some that will serve me as priests and Levites. And look at this, verse 22. Just as the new heavens and the new earth, which I will make will endure. So God's going to purge the heavens and the earth with fire. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. It's not going to be as it is now. The Bible says there's not even going to be an ocean any longer. God's going to purge. It's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. He said, so your offspring and your name will endure. In verse 23, and it shall be from new moon to new moon, from Sabbath to Sabbath. All of mankind will come and bow down before me, says the Lord. And they will go forth and look. Think about that for a minute. On into the thousand year reign of Christ and on into eternity, God is saying that these times, these Moedim feast times, the new moon is the turn of the Hebrew month, the Sabbath, that these things are continuing on into eternity. That's just the way that it is. And the Bible is very clear about this. It says, then they will go forth and look on the corpses of the men who have transgressed against me. For their worm will not die. This is a reference to hell their worm will not die and their fire will not be quenched and they will be an abhorrence to all of mankind. So on into eternity, the thousand year reign of Christ into the new heaven and new earth with the city of Jerusalem, the new city on the earth, that's going to endure and these, this timing, God's timing that's connected to a, a monthly cycle connected with the new moon, the feast days, the weekly Sabbath, etc. That's going to continue on into eternity. But God is showing here too that that lake of fire is going to be continuing on into eternity too. And write this down. You can study this this week as well. But Ezekiel 40 through 48. There's going to be a temple and the thousand year reign of Christ. This is Ezekiel 40 through 48. There's going to be a temple in the days to come. 1948, Israel became a nation against all odds. 67, they took Jerusalem. The next big event is the Temple Mount. 
there's going to be a temple. And Israel will eventually begin to offer up sacrifices again. And the reason why Israel is going to experience the days of Jacob's trouble, the seven-year tribulation, which is centered on Israel, is because of their rejection of the Messiah. Jesus said, you didn't receive me when I came in my name, but you'll receive another. There's going to be an Antichrist that they're going to make a peace treaty with. It's going to result in the seven-year tribulation. But during that time, they're going to be offering up the sacrificial system. And the word sacrifice is not really the best word for this. Because people have said, well, why does the Bible say that when Jesus is physically on the earth and there's a temple, why are people still going to be having sacrifices? Well, the reason is, I don't believe that there are going to be sin sacrifices because Jesus fulfilled that. Amen? But I do believe that there'll probably be an act of worship. Think about it. The word korbanot in Hebrew is not really translated sacrifice. People think sacrifice is like giving up something you don't want to. It's not really what it's saying. In Hebrew, it implies drawing near to God. That's a big difference. That's a big difference. The, the five major offerings were korbanot. They were to draw near to God, not to give something up that you don't want to. God never wanted it to be that way. So the sin and in, in the um, guilt offering is done away in Christ. I believe when Jesus comes, people are going to be drawn near to him just to worship him. And the sacrifices are worship to him and also probably the feed the priesthood. But nonetheless, it's in the Bible. It's very clear that it's there. The people have not been taught on these things, and so they think, well, you know, all this has passed away, it's done. No. It's going to continue in the thousand-year reign of Christ and into eternity, and that's just a biblical fact. And so, as you set up today, and you, we set up this sukkah, and you look at this, you got to understand, there's going to come a day. Can you bring me that, Fernando, that lulav? There's going to come a day when you and I are physically going to be going to Jerusalem. Thank you, sir. We're going to be going to Jerusalem. Jesus Christ is physically going to be on the earth. He's going to be ruling from the throne of his father David for a thousand years. The nations are going to be brought under his rulership. And there's going to come a point in time when all of us in the seventh month are going to be going to Jerusalem and we're going to be waving the lulav and we're going to be, there's going to be these little booths all over. And people are going to be worshiping the Lord and dancing before him and singing, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, his love endures forever. You're going to see palm branches everywhere. And so as we close this out now, as we look at the, the Feast of Tabernacles, the message for you and I more than anything is we're looking for Jesus to come tabernacle for a thousand years, but also that the Lord's presence dwell with us. And God is wanting us to be a people that he can dwell among us. And I need to, to close out this sermon, but I want to say this. I did that series, Mikdash, remember, and I talked about the sanctuary. A lot of times, the reason why God is not tabernacling among people is because things are being tolerated that shouldn't be. There's, there's things that grieve the Holy Spirit in the midst, and they're not being dealt with. This is important that y'all hear me. 
I've been studying this out because I'm trying to keep up with what's going on in the body. And this is probably going to surprise some of you if, you if you're not aware of this. But there's preachers today, some of whom are on television and are very well known. I'm not going to name names. I don't do that. I'm not going to tear anybody down. And I'm not even being critical. I'm just telling you a fact. But there's preachers today that are teaching people to not confess their sins and not repent of their sins. That's going on right now. The ideal behind it is that Jesus paid for your sins, past, present, and future. So somehow they got all of that twisted and jumbled now to where you can, your sins are already forgiven or something. And this is going to surprise some of you, but there's teachers today, some of whom are on television and very well known and have a big audience that teach people that the teachings that Jesus Christ did were before he died on the cross, so they're still Old Testament and not relevant. I'm just telling you, as hard as that is to believe. And they're saying after the cross, things become relevant. How many of you guys know that everything Jesus said is relevant? I'm just trying to tell you that First Timothy chapter 4 says in the latter days some will abandon the faith giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons and it grieves me deeply they're teaching people in such a way and they wonder why there's not revival there's not going to be a move of God until people are willing to humble themselves and pray and seek God's face and repent of their sins repent that means that we get on our face before God, say, God, forgive me, and we turn away from and quit doing it. And man, I'm going to tell you, anybody that ever tells you anything that makes you feel that you can live a life of unrepentant sin and be okay with God, and you're going to go to heaven when you die and all is good, that is a doctrine of demons. It is demonic. And it will send some people to hell. And I would not want to be in the shoes of the preacher that told people that when I stand before the Lord on judgment day. That's why revival many times tarries and is not happening and things could be far greater than what it is but places are just wanting to preach just a hyper grace message alone and they don't want to deal with sin. I love God's grace but I want to hear the whole counsel of God. I want to know the whole word of God. All right, so Lord, we thank you for your word tonight. We bless you. And Lord, I pray that you'll do a deep work in all of us. It's been a really different message tonight than usual and just going to different realms. But, but Lord, I pray that you would give us the grace to really deal with things tonight. You know, if, if we have grown cold, and this is really concerning because I feel and have felt in my spirit that a lot of times people that are under the influence of something, even if it's preached on, it still doesn't get through. There's something that is shielding it. And I pray that that really get through to some people and realize, wait a second, this is for me. I really need to examine myself. Lord, I pray that you would help that penetrate and get through and deal with this. Jesus said people are too caught up with the things of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. They get so caught up with the cares of life, the cares of the world, making money and other things 
that it chokes out the fruitfulness like a python it squeezes it out they used to be really fruitful and on fire but now that's died way down Lord I pray that you would convict and, and draw and let us shed off the old and come into the new and let this word really get in us can you play that iPod just turn it way down but I want where you're at for a minute. I want everybody just to examine yourself and pray about these things because I want us to go to a new place. I want to break into a new place of revival, a new place of God's glory. I want River of Life to break into new ground. But we've got to be willing, all of us, to really humble ourselves and say, Lord, forgive me if I've grown cold, if I've been indifferent, if I haven't really been witnessing and being the light I need to be, if I haven't really been praying and being the salt I need to be, if I really haven't been bearing the fruit I need to bear, Lord, forgive me. Do a work in me tonight in Jesus' name. Just turn that up and y'all pray for a minute. You can, you know, however you want to do it, if you want to kneel down or, or get on your face or whatever, but I want us to pray for a few minutes. Forgive us, Lord. Do a cleansing.